0: Welcome back to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. I'm your host, Loyal Law School Professor Jessica Levinson, and today we're focusing on the politics part of the podcast with one of the nation's leading democratic strategists, Leslie Marshall. Leslie is a political analyst, a national radio host, and a Fox News contributor who provides political analysis from a liberal point of view. She's seen regularly on programs like Special Report with Brett Baer, Hannity, Tucker Carlson, in america's newsroom her weekly opinion blog on foxnews.com receives between three to four million you heard that right views each week and she has a very well received TEDx talk she was the youngest person ever syndicated in talk radio and the first woman syndicated to host an issues oriented talk show leslie we are thrilled that you are here thank you for passing judgment with us Thank you for inviting me. I love to pass judgment. No, but thank you for inviting me, <laughs> Jessica. i glad to be here. I always love people's reaction to that. Thank you for passing judgment with us. Some people go right past it, and then some people are like, let's do it. So we're recording the day after the presidential debate. I feel like the three showers I've taken since then was not enough. I feel like what we <laughs> what we witnessed was just a a verbal assault on the American people. You're a democratic strategist. Can you unpack for us, what did we witness in those 90 minutes last night? And does president Trump have a purpose in mind? I mean, what is he doing and who is he trying to reach with this type of behavior?
1: What we saw was a a train wreck um, that continued to happen over and over and over again. The president was just being who he is, sadly. And quite frankly, that should help former Vice President Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee. Because look, the country's very divided. Most of the people have already made up their mind, a number of people have already voted. And those who support Donald Trump thought he was magnificent last night. There are those that supported Joe Biden that thought he was magnificent. And then you're hearing some in the GOP that are saying that was a blank show. Uh, you know, uh, with regard to the president's performance. Um, there are those that are undecided and it's a very small sliver who probably won't be swayed by the debate, but they definitely came out thinking Joe Biden did better than they expected, probably because Trump and his, you know, cronies and, uh, you know, a lot of people out there were questioning the cognitive ability of Joe Biden and a lot of people saying he wouldn't even show up. Um, and and then um, on top of it, uh, you know Donald Trump was viewed by undecided voters, so say you know the the polling today as a bully, and uh, that may have turned off a few voters and, and given a win in the Joe Biden column. You know, look, David Muir of ABC News, I think, said it best on ABC, and I tweeted this last night. I'm paraphrasing; I'm not going to do exact quote, but the American people are sick of this. The COVID-19 pandemic, being home, being unemployed, mm-hmm. not being able to eat in a restaurant. I mean, the list goes on. And what they saw was, I think, for, for many, Donald Trump being a bully, or I viewed it more like a petulant child and a narcissist rolled into one. Um, what they wanted to hear from both Donald Trump and Joe Biden was, how are you going to fix this? How is the way out? When is the way out? Show me the way out because I'm so frustrated, angry, hurting, and you didn't get any of that from Donald Trump, who the onus was on and the burden was on last night to change the trajectory of his campaign and to say to the American people, here's my plan going forward for the next four years. This is why you want four more years of me, my administration, and what I have done thus far. Joe Biden did when he was able to and not being interrupted was able to look into the camera connect with the people and talk about you're hurting or you know I you know I understand you know what you feel you know I've been there um but but quite frankly he couldn't hear a lot of what the former vice president was saying because Donald Trump interrupted so much there were the, the president was really just focusing on personally attacking uh Joe Biden and therefore the American people didn't get Answers to the questions that they want to hear for those that have not yet made up their minds as voters.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that that's who really lost out last night, which is the American people. If you tuned in and you wanted to actually hear a policy discussion, if you wanted to actually hear how the leader of the free world is proposing to make your life better. You know, you would have been better off tuning into a different channel. I mean, people said, I've seen better behaved reality stars on reunion shows than what we saw last night. And for me, that's the anger I feel is one, just watching it, it's hard to unclench my jaw because I think we've all had that moment where there's the bully in the school classroom or in the meeting and they don't know anything, but their tactic is just to keep interrupting, keep interrupting, and keep saying that's not true. And do you think that President Trump's campaign, that the per, the kind of whole goal behind the campaign is low voter turnout except for the base? is Does that help describe what we saw last night? All the interruptions, all the, from my perspective, bullying, the lack of proposals, the baseless claims. Is this all part of a strategy to just say, I'm talking only to my base and for everybody else, I hope I'm just turning you off and you don't show up? No. I mean, you know, maybe it was his campaign
1: strategy first. I don't think Donald Trump is the type of individual, and there are many, it's not just Donald Trump and it's not just those on the right. There are individuals out there and I, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, mention names, but, you know, whether it's a Hillary Clinton um, or a John McCain or a Sarah Palin, you know, or, or even a Joe Biden, some of these people, it's not easy to critique them and it's not easy to tell them what to do. So let's just take Donald Trump, our president. I don't think anybody tells him you got to do this, this, and this. Or if they do, I don't think he really heeds their advice and pays much attention to that. He is who he is. And we saw who he was clearly last night. I don't think he you know, had any goal. Look, mail-in ballots... Is he trying to get people to go out and vote instead of mail them in? Uh, Is he trying to fear monger? Yes, with that one issue. But his performance last night, no. I think what we saw is exactly who Donald Trump is and uh, that he's narcissistic and that he bullies. And when he perceives somebody has attacked him, um, he uh, attacks back, even if that person hasn't been attacking him. We clearly saw he's not a good listener. And one thing I know as a communicator is talking is important but listening is just if not more important and and the president certainly hasn't grasped that so no i i don't like i don't think the president's that deep the campaign might be but i don't think he is and i'll bet you any money i'd go to vegas with this i will bet you when he walked off that stage it, it reminds me of the emperor has no clothes right um i bet everybody around him said how wonderful he did because yeah. that's because if you don't you won't be working long so um I, and i think he believes he did great because nobody tells him. Otherwise, and even if they did, he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't believe it. That's my perception.
0: It reminds me of, I've seen some documentaries on Nixon where after a speech or after a debate, he would call everybody who works for him and say, it was great, right? How's it playing? Did I do a good job? Because, and everybody just said, oh, Mr. President, absolutely, of course, that was, you know, there was no reality check. There was nobody in the room saying, "Uh, sir, I think we have a problem here. And where I do think There was a miscalculation. You and I have talked about this a little bit. The bizarre lowering of expectations about Vice President Biden, where you heard from the Trump campaign they had basically set the bar so that if he could walk out there and say his full name, that it was a win and that he was going to show mental acuity. Do you think that a a two-part question? Do you think it was a mistake that they kept talking about Joe Biden's, you know, alleged lack of mental abilities, lack of facility, and Do you think that after last night's debate, we can now put those discussions to rest? Or is that still going to be the main line of attack that we hear? You know, prior to the debate, Jessica, they actually stopped
1: doing that because I think they saw... Um, mm-hmm. uh-oh, you know, we, you know, he, he, it, I think they say, eh, he's not going to come. He's not, I don't think they did think he was going to show up because for a while, a very brief period of time, he was in his basement. Although if you listen to Trump, his campaign and many of those on the right, you would think that he was constantly there, even though he went to the funeral of George Floyd, even though he went to the funeral of a uh, Congressman John Lewis, um, even though he met with protesters, um, in, uh, Delaware, he spoke in Philadelphia, you know, he had traveled to Houston, he traveled to Kenosha and the list goes on. But again, perception is reality. And what do you put out there, right? And what they were putting out there is Joe Biden's not going to show up. Now they know he's going to show up. Uh, Joe Biden's in cognitive decline. And you've seen Joe Biden without a teleprompter, um, without notes, uh, very professionally, and uh, uh, very clearly answer questions, you know, without notes, without that teleprompter. And I think they said to themselves, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. Because just the week before the debates, just this past week, they started saying things like, yeah, Joe Biden's a decent uh, debater and started turning that around. But yeah, I, I think quite frankly, they hurt themselves by that because what we're seeing today in the polls is that undecided voters and, you know, I on Twitter and I, I certainly am not ABC News and, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, associated press polling by any means. But on Twitter, I said, is there anybody who's a Trump supporter who was willing to say he didn't do well tonight? And usually they won't say anything against their leader. Mm-hmm. And there were a number of people that said that he didn't do well. And one person would say, Joe Biden did better than I thought. Not one person, but here and there. There were a number of people that are Trump supporters, diehard conservative Trump supporters, who admitted that Biden did better than they thought he would. I was seeing that. And the poll show and decided voters felt the same way. And those are the voters tuning in that really matter. The rest of us who've decided, or are certainly those that voted, really don't.
0: So help me with this theory that I have because you're a strategist and I'm a law professor which is I don't understand who the undecided voters are and it's been my theory that we're just playing to the people who aren't undecided between the two candidates but they're undecided as to whether or not to show up but based on you know some of what we saw last night I really do think there are people who are looking at both candidates and saying I could go either way. I mean, I I think my theory is wrong. How is it possible? I know this sounds so naive, but I see two men who are diametrically opposed in every way other than being white men of a certain age. How can potential voters look and say, you know, I'm just not sure? I'll
1: tell you how, because there are people that voted for Donald Trump. Um, let's just take blue collar workers in the three states that put them over the finish line, which are Wisconsin, yeah. and sh- Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Okay um they pretty much voted you know believing that he was going to bring the factories back the jobs back and you know increase manufacturing now in manufacturing has increased but it's it's nothing to write home about but the the rest of the promises he kept to that segment of the population um, that, that that has not held uh, true. Uh, Joe Biden is viewed uh, very favorably in the blue collar community. And even though he's not a blue collar guy because he came from Scranton, a very blue collar town and grew up in a blue collar family, they kind of uh, view him as one of their own. I saw that when I moderated the Teamsters uh, Democratic Forum in uh, Iowa uh, last winter. Um, it, he, he has a connection with that segment of the voting population that I just didn't see the other candidates at the time before, uh, he was, uh, the nominee, um, another. So there are people that voted for Trump for a reason, just using that one segment as an example that aren't sure they can vote for him again. There are people that are Republicans that are uncomfortable, perhaps voting for a Democrat, but we've seen many polls showing that Republicans would vote for certain Democrats Maybe Joe Biden would be one of them. Like I would vote for a Republican if it was a Christy Todd Whitman as an example. You know what I mean? And then there are those that are one-issue voters, but they don't like Donald Trump personally. They certainly don't like the way he has handled COVID or the racial injustice and the, you know, the 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 result and the violence that have come uh, in some of the cities. Um, By those that are just uh, so angry or have uh, broken off from the peaceful protesters. Again, he doesn't have a solution and a way out, but they're pro-life. And, you know, he's just uh, nominated an extremely pro-life judge and individual uh, to the court. They're just not sure what's more important to them. So those are just some examples of where undecided voters come in. There are also people that are undecided because there are people out there that are going to vote Republican because they're Republican, going to vote Democrat because they're Democratic. Uh, The Democrats, they're going to vote, you know, one party ticket down the line. But there are people that have just registered to vote and they're new to this game. And look, the majority of millennials have registered to vote, not just here in California, but nationwide as independents uh, versus Republicans and Democrats when you just look at those numbers. Uh, some of them don't want to commit uh, to one candidate or the other because they kind of feel like they're committing to one party or the other. And then there's also that segment of the population that uh, they're undecided because they're, you know, they're late to the game and they're just going to you know, figure it out before they go. And unlike 2016, though, I don't think the undecided voters are people afraid to admit that they would vote for Donald Trump, as we saw uh, last time around in 2016.
0: So interesting. That makes complete sense. And I think you're right in terms of the differences between 2016 and 2020, and what makes an undecided voter today. And you just mentioned something that is so, so important, which is the federal judiciary. And President Trump has nominated uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett. And you said, you know, he's just nominated a very pro-life judge. And Of course, it was only less than two weeks ago that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Judge Barrett apparently was offered the position subject to her vetting only 72 hours after Justice Ginsburg's death. And the backdrop, of course, as you know, is that in February 2016, Justice Antonin Scalia passes away. President Obama nominates somebody to fill that position And the leader of the Senate then and now, Mitch McConnell, says, no, we don't fill those positions during election years. Now we're not in election year. I think almost two million people have already voted. We're in the election. Correct. And Mitch McConnell, followed by Republicans, have said, no, we can fill the position because – there's a Republican in the White House and Republicans control the Senate, which let me just tell everybody, nowhere in the Constitution does it say presidents have the power to fill a vacancy in an election year as long as the Senate is controlled by the same party. But thank you for letting me get all of that out. From your perspective, do Democrats have any moves left on the dance floor when it comes to trying to prevent judge Barrett from either having a hearing or being confirmed.
1: No, I mean, yeah. let's be honest. It's, it yeah. everything in, in politics, not everything, most everything in politics comes down to a numbers game. Elections come down to numbers game uh, fundraising and whether, you know, you can pass legislation, it comes down to numbers for votes. And if you have the money, right. And uh confirmation of a Supreme court member or confirmation of anyone nominated, by the president requires a number of votes. Even if Mark Kelly wins the Senate in the state of Arizona, which it looks like he wi- he will at this point in time with the polling, he can be, uh, because McSally was an appointed uh, senator and not an elected senator, he could actually be sworn in early. Even if he is sworn in, when you have Susan Collins from Maine Who we really can't trust, who has said before, you know, I'm going to vote this way. You know, she says one thing with her mouth and does another with her vote, uh, but looks like she's going to lose her seat. And I'm very happy about that because of that hypocrisy. And then Senator Lisa McCroskey from uh, Alaska, uh, you know, two of the women that have in the past many times stood apart from their party. um, Those three are just one shy. They're not enough uh, to, you know, prevent this woman from being seated. What can Democrats do? Okay. Uh, One, Um, I'm sorry about this, but the Bernie or bust folks in 2016 are responsible for that seat being what it will be. And I say that the Bernie or bust people, let me be more specific, that didn't vote or voted for Trump. 12% of Bernie Sanders supporters voted for Donald Trump and a number... Uh, a a percentage even higher of that state home because to spite Hillary, just to spite Hillary, can't do it. You've got to vote. Whether you're voting for Donald Trump or Joe Biden, you've got to vote. And those are your two options. And until we change our system in the Electoral College, which will probably take to 50 to 100 years, we'll all be dead before it happens. Uh, This is the system we've got. Uh, You may not like it, change it, but in the meantime, vote, vote, vote. Now, when I say that, Democrats have the power then to keep the majority in the House, gain the majority in the Senate, have the White House. And as you know, Jessica, better than I in your position, uh, with your legal background, the Constitution does not say the court has to be nine. Now, some people would say, Leslie, Democrats want to pack the court. You know where from I sit? A 6-3 court with six conservatives and three, two liberals and one swing voter is a packed court. So why shouldn't the court be a better representation of the American people? Why shouldn't there be a few seats added and that is within uh the power and could be done uh by uh the you know the 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 president uh, the the house and the senate um if it's in democrats hands. Um and and then of course uh rules regarding the filibuster can be changed. Democrats will only have the power going forward when it comes to seats or expanding the court or making the Republicans, quite frankly, sorry for the choices that they have made. Let's be frank here. The hypocrisy was disgusting uh, when they would not confirm Merrick Garland, and now they're pushing this through. But let's be honest. I think my own party would have done the same thing.
0: I don't know about that part. And where we might diverge here is I do worry about increasing the number of Supreme Court justices. As you said, there's nothing in the Constitution that says it has to be nine. Nine is not a magic number. It's just what we've had since the late, I believe, 1890s. But I have the same worry I do about whenever we think about you know, changing the filibuster, which is you tend to like the idea if you're in the minority and you think you're about to be in the majority, for instance, for increasing the number of Supreme Court justices. But at a certain point, assuming the republic survives, there'll be a democratic president. And then there might be a lot of vacancies. And now there's even more seats to fill. So, you know, my preferred solution is one that unfortunately takes constitutional change, which, as you know, means it's not going to happen. But it's very very long-term limits in a staggered fashion so that we're looking at really who is qualified. And every and not who's young and vigorous and that every president gets a few appointments but and by t- the way Jessica absolutely yeah. and I'm sorry I didn't put that on
1: my list that is another option democrats would have but democrats don't have any of these options unless they win the senate and the white house and keep the house and the only way that happens is if people vote for democrats so really that's what democrats can do is get that message out get voters whether out to vote with their pen or out to vote in person, that's got to be it. You know, The day after Donald Trump won, you watched as I did, I'm sure, the streets where hundreds of thousands of people protested. And the man on the street interviews went like this. Why are you angry, Donald? Oh my God, I can't believe he's... Who did you vote for? Oh, I didn't vote. Exactly. You can't protest and cry and whine the day after. Speaking of, you know, my party is great at protesting. We're awesome protesters. We're incredible protesters. And we need to show up voting in the numbers we show up protesting. The Women's March, for example, if all those women voted, we surely would hold up half the sky and surely would change the world.
0: This is, I was just going to mention the Women's March. And this is, I feel like I'm constantly this wet rag, but this is my role in life, which is to bring everybody down. It's- (laughs) Fun and it's invigorating and it feels, you know, there's a purpose just to have that collective moment of saying we're taking to the streets. But it's not necessarily as productive as the stuff that you don't get to post about on Instagram and you don't get to take, you know, selfies for social media on the metro. But it's arguably more important, which is, you know, register to vote, get your friends to register people. Go to high schools and talk to them about registering to vote. Write letters to your representatives. All of that stuff, it's not that fun. It happens alone. It's not really a collective moment or phone banking or text banking. But I felt like exactly the Women's March, how many of those people voted, but what was the specific agenda? I mean, we have to, the way to overcome all of these structural problems is just to organize and to vote, which brings me back to the topic we were talking about in the Supreme Court. How does it play in the next election? Because I've been struggling with this, and I think it energizes both sides. So I well, think- you read my yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah
1: you, you read my mind. That would be the answer to the question. Because, and, and you know this, um, really emotionally charged issues are those issues for those single issue voter, right? Gun control, right. capital punishment- and abortion is one of those. Very emotionally charged, right? There are women out there. There are women out there that are pro-life, by the way, that don't want Roe v. Wade overturned because they don't want our nation to return to what it was prior to 1973's ruling, uh, Roe v. Wade. Um, So there are going to be people out there, and not just women, um, who are fearful that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. And then there are those that want it overturned, and they're not just within the evangelical community that will come out uh, to vote for Donald Trump because they will want more. Uh, because they, I think, with the passing of the notorious RBG, uh, what's more evident than ever is that if you vote and your guy in this situation wins, they are going to fill that seat. And, you know, people just don't see it, but now they've seen seats being filled, and especially this seat and especially this woman being nominated. And yes, that is going to energize, I think, people on both sides to vote. If we broke it down to polling as to who's pro-life and pro-choice, majority of people in this country are pro-choice, and majority of people uh, want Roe v. Wade to stand, even some who are pro-life. Women have been leaving the Trump campaign since he was elected in 2016. Uh, Women could make the difference in this election If those women who are pro-life and don't want Roe v. Wade overturned, or who are pro-choice and don't want Roe v. v. Wade overturned, come out to vote, if nothing else gets them out to vote, this might.
0: Yeah, and hopefully it will be an educational moment that, as you said, everybody, when they think about the Supreme Court, they're thinking about abortion, regardless of their view. But I just desperately want people to know that the Supreme Court, I mean, think about all of the issues that just... Judge Barrett, likely Justice Barrett, I had a little Freudian slip there, will weigh in on. I mean, it's the rights of uh, voting rights, First Amendment rights, religious rights, LGBTQ rights, gun control, the rights of criminal defendants, uh, environmental controls. And I, I hope that this is the moment that voters understand how important it is that presidents have the power to, um, to nominate Federal judges, because President Trump was right last night. He said, "You know, I've had a huge mark. I have filled the federal judiciary, and I, I just wish that we had paid attention to that while we were marching." But I, I don't no, no, know. I, I agree. I agree with you a hundred
1: percent. You know, another issue that this seat being vacated could energize another segment of the voter base. And and that's voters who care about their their health, which is the number two issue right. on the voters' right. top three. Um, especially among this COVID uh, nineteen pandemic that we're living with, uh, there are those that are very frightened. The Affordable Care Act will be taken away. Uh, there are twenty million plus people that. Uh, want the Affordable Care Act, and there are more that want what Joe Biden has proposed, which is expanding on the Affordable Care Act uh, so that more, not less people uh, could be insured. And of course, people with pre-existing conditions are, are frightened um, uh, based on what could happen if the Affordable Care Act uh, it, you know, goes away and is no longer. And that seat on the court could be uh, you know, a, a decider, obviously, um, with regard to Uh, Obamacare, and um, that's another issue that could get people to come out to vote, especially in light of the times that we are in, where there are individuals that have lost family members, uh, sadly, due to COVID-19, or maybe survived themselves but are still suffering um, some of the long-term health ramifications and consequences of this virus that some are still afflicted with, even if they've had the virus and no
0: longer are carrying it and thank you for mentioning that and the arguments of course were set not coincidentally almost right after the election and it healthcare you know this is something where i really want voters to think about the supreme court could dismantle it but they're not saying to congress you can never pass a healthcare law they're just saying the way you designed it if they rule the way i suspect they will rule the way you designed it is problematic so i think americans need to push not just for thinking about the Supreme Court, but also their elected officials, a lot of these decisions are just overturning what Congress has done this way, but not saying you never get to legislate in healthcare. But I so desperately do not want to let you go until we talk about, at least quickly, this last issue. It feels like it happened about 10 years ago. I think it was four days ago, the bombshell (laughs) reporting about President Trump's financial records. And I'm going to say two things I've said before which I think probably make no sense together and then I hope you will help me make sense of it which is so very briefly the reporting shows that President Trump among many other things has paid very little in income taxes over the past few years is probably not nearly as successful as he claims to be in terms of business and for my perspective the most important that he owes over 240 million dollars that is likely to come due very soon and seems to make him, as a result, a national security threat. Like I understand that someone else with that financial background might not get security clearance. So this is where I'm going to say two things that don't marry together at all, which is this feels huge and damaging, and it also feels like it won't move the electoral dial at all. Can you help me make sense of that? Okay, I'm going to take it in reverse.
1: Yes. Sadly, it won't move the dial because- that's not a top issue. And almost everyone in this nation, except for a small sliver, have made up their mind. Those who like the president, he was right. He could shoot someone in the middle of Madison Avenue, I believe he said, um, and and sadly, they would still vote for him. Um, that Yet there are those on the other side, he could walk on water. Um, and, you know, it, come up with a vaccine for COVID tomorrow, they're still not going to vote for him. It is that sliver, those undecided voters that we worry about. So one, they don't care. They've heard about the tax returns. They know the guy's slimy. They know the guy lies. They're not surprised. One. Two, they know rich people hire people to hide their money. Not surprised. Um, but wh- and they're not surprised that he was dishonest because he's been dishonest. This is not different or separate from the character and the pattern of behavior that we have seen from this man uh, for almost four years. And even prior, if you look at The Apprentice um, and prior to that as a businessman and when you look at his dealings. Um, But uh, in reality, if you and I were in the same position, we would go to jail. Wesley Snipes was supposed to go to jail, right? Al Capone went to jail. Uh, For same infractions, and other people have as well. So one of the big issues with voters we saw in exit polls in the last two midterm elections were income inequality. And that's where Joe Biden's line that this is a race between Scranton and Park Avenue Mm -hmm. is very Mm -hmm. true. Donald Trump is Park Avenue. First of all, I don't make as much as I say, I lie, big surprise, right? And I, I didn't pay all the taxes. But when individuals out there think, wait a minute, but the rest of us are paying for that military. The rest of us are paying for these programs in the government. Wait a minute, you're saying I want a handout? What did you get, sir? Sadly, it should move. Will it move a voter or two? It might, but I doubt it because it, it him paying taxes or not, doesn't really affect them personally. Although it does, they don't see it that way. And I think the Democrats have a responsibility to show the American people how it affects them, but it may not be worth the handful
0: of votes they would get to spend the time on it, sadly. The juice may not be worth the squeeze, so to speak. Yep. That. Yep. This has been so much fun. As loyal listeners of the podcast know, I end the podcast by asking my guests the same three questions, nothing to do with politics, although you can make it political if you want. Here we go. Sure. Question number one, which famous person, dead or alive, would you want to invite to a dinner party and why? I guess Jesus Christ. I'm not a religious person, but you know,
1: there's been a lot of things that he gets credit for or blamed for, and I guess I'd want to sit down and hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs>
0: Now, question number two, you're going to be stranded on a desert island and you can bring one meal. What is it? God, <laughs> only one? Well, I'm on a desert
1: island and I'm only going to have one. So I guess the no eating carbs goes out the window. So let's do macaroni and cheese.
0: Finally, you get one superpower for an hour. What is it?
1: Oh, I, I, it's my funny. My kids had this question in school for something. I'd want to be invisible so I could hear everything
0: everybody says when I leave the room. You can find Leslie on Twitter at Leslie Marshall, all one word. You can find her show at LeslieMarshallShow.com. You can find me on Twitter at Levinson Jessica, the show on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod, and on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. Leslie, I had such a good time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for passing judgment with us.
1: Thank you for having me. More than a pleasure, Jessica. I also enjoyed it a lot.
0: Thanks to our listeners, and we will see you next time.